Okay, Matt. Well, you just got back from your uh, trip. Um, not such a good trip overall for you. Hasn't been a fun sports weekend for me outside of the Dolphins. But we'll get into all of that. Um, as usual, we'll let you start off with your Cowboys takes. But yeah, just give us a quick rundown of your, your trip and how the whole weekend went. Well, it was, I wouldn't say a great trip. Kind of a nightmare at the end. But I don't know. I saw the Dodgers game one on Saturday. The hype was really good. Clayton Kershaw on the mound. And then they throw the unexpected stinker of a game that I did not expect to see. Yeah. So that was kind of the start of it. I was like, uh-oh. Like, not that I'm a Dodger fan, but I was for the day. I wanted to see an exciting game. That didn't happen, so I'm like, okay, you know what? At least they got we got Sunday night football coming up. Cowboys, Niners, should be a great game. Everyone's talking about it. It's going to come down to the wire. I don't know. Did the Dodgers sprinkle some pixie dust on, on the Cowboys? Because kind of the same thing for me. So it was just an overall failure of a weekend in sports for me. That's why I wore this shirt today. So you're wearing your Dodger hat. I wore this shirt. Is that Dak? That's Dak. <laughs> oh, that's Dak and Zeke rookie year, because <laughs> that's what they looked like on Sunday, or at least Dak did. He looked like the rookie, a fourth round rookie that he is. <sighs> this guy, he never. You know what? But I think that's a that's a good transition for me. Because we always start with the Cowboys. So let me just get this segment out of the way. I know you're probably thinking, oh, I'm going to rant on a lot of things. Go on this 40-minute rant that I normally do every time they lose in a playoff game. But nah, I'll, I'll try to keep it short. Because we kind of already know who is at fault here. But I'll come back to, to Dak. I'll come back to Dak. But yeah, the game overall, I could tell it was going to be a rough game. I saw it with my own eyes, front row seat and all. But I knew it was going to be a rough game from the very first play of the game. Very first play of the game. They get a toss. 49ers get the ball first. It's a toss play to Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, three-yard gain, kind of just settling in the game. And then all of a sudden... Penalty flag. Face mask on Donovan Wilson. 15 yards. They move the ball close to midfield. 49ers go right down the field for touchdown for George Kittle. He had three on the night. And that was kind of the end of it. So I'm thinking, okay, we're down 7-0. All right, offense, let's respond. What do they do? Three and out. <laughs> three and out. So just that tone setter was not not a good sign for me and it, the rest of the story it just all goes downhill from there but I think this game obviously you know there's so many people that are at fault but I gotta start with the head coach this was a perfect example 
of Mike McCarthy being exposed. And what I mean by that is I was saying in the past weeks how the offense, particularly the offensive side of the ball, because Mike McCarthy is now calling plays. And for the first four weeks, for the most part, other than that Arizona game, the offense really didn't need to do too much. We just needed to take care of the ball, score when you have to. The defense was creating turnovers. So you just got to play a keep away to some degree. Keep a clean slate, clean slate on the turnover statistic, and you'll be good. But in this one, we needed the firepower because you know the 49ers have skill position players all over the board. And this is the time to showcase what you got in the playbook. Open it up. Let's see the gadget plays. Let's see, you know, the misdirections. Let's see the whole playbook because I thought everything was really simplified for the first four weeks. And to his credit, we haven't, we didn't need to. And we saw none of that, none of that. And I think the Cowboys' problem with this offense, they don't get their guys the ball. They don't, like, I just watched Kyle Shanahan. It was pretty awesome from a non Cowboys fan watching what they did, how he gets his players the ball in space in creative ways, right? It's not just McCaffrey catching it or running it out of the backfield. You know, he's lining up at receiver. They throw him passes out of the backfield. They line Debo up in the backfield. They're having Kittle line up out wide and as a traditional tight end, right? Ayuk's motioning a lot. There's just so much going on. They involve check. But the Cowboys, what do they do? They don't, they don't do none of that. I think there was one play that entire game that was, you could say, a creative play. It was a jet sweep to Brandon Cooks. Like, really? Just the lack of of quality plays by this offense was terrible. Pollard couldn't get going. CD Lamb is noticeably frustrated. He doesn't get the ball. Like, come on. You got to be lining up CD all over the place. Put him in the backfield. Put him in the slot. Put him outside. And I've been saying from the start, I liked what they did with Kevante Turpin early in the season. I saw looks of him lining up in the backfield. He was taking carries. We got none of that today or yesterday. Just, just frustrating. As an offense, we got exposed. And I got to say, if this keeps up, it's going to be a long year. (laughs) It really is. It really is going to be a long year. But, you know, the safe, I thought the defense was exposed. We got gashed on the ground. Kind of the Cowboys Achilles heel at this point. But where I was so disappointed in was the safety. This is supposed to be a strong core of a unit. They've been together for multiple years now with Dan Quinn. They know the system, but they look like just lost out there. They're just running around wild, no real clue of what they're doing, busted coverages, poor penalties that they're causing. I mean, it's just bad, bad technique. J. Ron Curse was horrible, horrible. Donovan Wilson, way too many penalties. Malik Hooker, he can't keep anybody behind him or in front of him. So where I thought that was going to be a strength of this team, 
it's turned into a glaring weakness. And it's that's a concern for me. It's truly a concern because we're already down Trayvon Diggs. We need that secondary to be strong and very, very poor performance. But, you know, other than that, it was kind of the same thing. Micah Parsons, where are you? I did not, he did not make a play at all. I was so excited to see him. 11 on heaven. There was a lot of Parsons jerseys where we were sitting. So I was like, okay, this is a good, good section going. But <laughs> we had nothing to cheer about because this guy did nothing. He got exposed. He couldn't get off blocks from Kittle. He couldn't beat Trent Williams. Like, come on, if you're supposed to be that dude, I don't care if Trent Williams is on the other side. You got to wreak havoc. You talk all this talk. Oh, yeah, I'm great. But I need to see results, Micah. You can't just be doing this against backup linemen against the Patriots. No, but you got to be doing this against the top teams when we need you. We were struggling. This is times where the big players, they make the big plays to get you back in the game. He was non-existent, and he was a flat-out disappointment. I'll flat-out say that. And speaking of disappointment, D, start disappointment. Who else is the biggest disappointment on this team? Mr. Prescott? I was waiting for you to get to him. Yeah, because I always save the best for last. And this man was pathetic. I'm so done with this guy. I'm, I don't think we, I'm throwing in the towel already. We can't win a Super Bowl with this guy. Because how many times do we have big games and he comes up small? I've been saying for as long as we've done this podcast, I don't care if Dak throws for 400 yards against the Jets led by Zach Wilson. I don't care if you do this against the Bears or teams like that. I need you to do it in big moments against good teams and obviously in the playoffs when it counts. But this was one of those games. The Cowboys, it was their side that was hyping this game. Of, oh, this is a playoff game. We're treating this like it's a different game. I didn't hear any of that from the Niners. It was like, oh, it's just another week for us. We just got to go in and take care of business. But the Cowboys side had a lot of hype, a lot of attention on this game. And that's where you expect your leader to to show up. He did not show up. He did he he threw us the game. He threw it away. Literally because he had three picks. He should have had more. First first drive of the game. We have a chance to, you know, answer that 49er touchdown. We need a big play from our quarterback. What does he do? He overthrows our tight end by five yards. And the guy is six. He's keep in mind Luke Schoonmaker is six three. So the fact that you overthrow him and he's wide open, dude. Like I'm pretty sure a college. I'm pretty sure Braden Shaker could make that throw. Honestly, he was wide open. No disrespect to him, by the way, but he's not an NFL quarterback. But he should make that throw. And the decisions. Why are you throwing a jump ball in double coverage? And oh, by the way, you overthrew your receiver by about ten yards. Nothing. I mean, really, I sound like a broken record, but what else do I say about this guy? I don't know how anybody can defend Dak Prescott at this point. He continuously comes up small. I I admit he might be worse than Kirk Cousins at this point. He's definitely Purdy is better than him. I'm giving him the nod. 
Purdy's earned my respect. He he did great. But I'm paying my quarterback $40 million a year. I would expect him to play better than that. And he says the same thing every press conference. Oh, it's my fault. I got to be better. You've been saying that for the past two years. <laughs> How do you not get better? <laughs> like a broken record. <sighs> but now on the team side, uh, this is my last point here. We're three and two. We have to win against the Chargers next week, Monday. It's a must win. If they go three and three, I cannot take them seriously in the playoffs. If they even get there at this point, I cannot take them seriously if they're three and three. So they need a bounce back. It's a must win. And I expect them to to bounce back after this horrible performance. So that's it. I got it out. I got my frustrations out. <laughs> I, okay. I'm done with the Cowboys already. Well, I just wanted to touch on a couple things uh, you brought up. So first of all, I guess from your opinion, so now you got to see, you got to see, well, not only the Cowboys, but that Niners offense like in person, right? So my question to you is you got to see Brock Purdy live and there's been a lot of debate going on, right? It's Is it the Shanahan system? You know, is it all the great weapons around Brock Purdy? But after watching him live, I just wanted to get your opinion. Do you think it really is a testament to the system or is there also, you know, did Brock Purdy himself kind of impress you with his play, you know, um, individually, I still think it's it's mostly the system, because there were some throws that Purdy made where it's like, how the heck do you like how do you get away with that? It was like double coverage. There was a throw that he made over the middle. Van Der Esch like jumped up. I was like, like that's a pick, and it somehow got to Ayuk. I'm like, how the heck? How does he keep getting away with these things? I think he gets really lucky, to some degree. But I, I truly think Shanahan's play calling is just, it's impressive. It's really impressive how he gets playmakers involved and gets them easy looks. And to me, Brock Purdy, it helps that he has playmakers around him. He's got so many weapons. And to his credit, he does what he has to do. And that's that's what you want out of your quarterback. Just do what you got to do. Don't turn the ball over. He didn't do that. So I got to give him credit. He is improving, I think, from this year compared to last year. But I still I'm convinced that it's the system. Truthfully, I think you flip Dak and Brock Purdy, you put Dak on the 49ers, he would be just as good, maybe better than Brock Purdy's running the offense right now. I that's just my opinion. I just but think it's I, a, I, I, yeah. I okay. It's interesting. Well, I think it is interesting because I mean, yeah, it is, you know, the system and what's in place, but my I'm really like trying to think what is so different about, you know, Shanahan system now versus when Jimmy G was there, when Debo, I mean, sorry, when um, Trey Lance was operating it, right? Is it while they have McCaffrey now, that was the last piece to kind of put them over the top? Or is it, you know, giving, I got to give Brock Purdy some credit here, I think, because, you know, it is, you know, you can say the system, but with a system that's so, I feel like, complex and fast, so many moving pieces, it is a testament to the quarterback as well to kind of get everyone on the same page. So I think it'll be really interesting to see when, you know, it's not all going his way, when he has to make the tight 
contested throws uh, in big time moments. That's when we're really good to see what Brock Purdy is made out of. But I'm going to tip my cap to him for now because um, I do think uh, he deserves some credit for, um, you know, the 49ers and, and their uh, success thus far. Um, and the last point before, you know, we get to the Dolphins here. So the Cowboys offensively, I know you, you said, you know, stagnant, um, kind of simple, but you know, at this point, really, what do you, is there any change that do you think can be made at this point in the season? Like Mike McCarthy just can't abandon his entire, you know, system that they've been drilling through OTAs and, um, mini camp and all this stuff up until now so what what has to change is it really Dak I mean obviously Dak is at fault you know he hasn't been didn't make the best decisions we're making you know the throws but do you think the system is even set up to be successful I mean I think so but it's like I feel like he's just misusing players and their skill sets like to me Brandon Cooks as an example He's the deep threat. You can't keep just running him in the shallow routes, hitches, like these short intermediate routes. Like use him to stretch the field. That's the whole reason why you got him because you want him to take the cover off the defense so CD can be the guy and Jake Ferguson can take the ball underneath, get those, you know, 10 to 12 yard chunk plays underneath. So get Brandon Cooks going deep. And I still think Cavante Turpin He's, he's hurt right now. We might lose him for a few weeks, to be honest. But if he's healthy, he's so fast. He's fast. He's game-changing fast. How do you not get this guy the ball? Jet sweeps. They lined him up in the backfield early in the season. Why, why can't you do that more, right? Oh, we want to keep Pollard fresh. Well, that's how you keep a guy fresh. When Pollard goes out, why not give Turpin a couple tosses outside? Like that's that's what you're supposed to do, getting your skill position players involved. And I think he needs to take a look at what these offensive coaches do. Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. Look how he uses these guys. He's got Sean McVay. He got he has Cooper Cup lining up in the backfield. Like he's not a running back, but it's just that look, right, that causes so much deception. McCaffrey, right? They line him up out wide in the backfield. Same thing with Debo. Right, Andy Reid. Uh, I mean, he's just the wizard of all, right? He with what he did with Tyreek. Crazy. It, it's crazy. So I think you gotta take a look at what these other coaches do and sprinkle in a little bit of that. I think I heard the NFL is a copycat lead. If somebody does it first, you take what they do. And that's perfect example. Detroit this week, they run this flea flicker earlier in the early slate of games. The exact same play Kyle Shanahan took and they scored a touchdown. The exact same play. So don't tell me all these coaches don't pay attention. Like, use that. Use the film that other coaches use. Use that to your advantage because it works. It's a copycat league. So the whole point is get your skill position players the ball in many creative ways. You can run the same plays, but just line them up at different spots on the field. I think that makes a huge difference. Okay. Yeah. Um, definitely a must win for you guys next week. It'll be a coaching masterclass on display in that game. Mike <laughs> McCarthy versus Brandon Staley. Can't wait to get to it. 
should be a fun one. I um, I'd rather have Mike McCarthy to be honest. As much <laughs> as I hate Mike McCarthy right now, I <laughs> truthfully I don't know. Brandon Staley is not on the good side right now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we'll you know at least you'll have next week to look forward to that. Um. I'll hit the Dolphins really fast. Not too much to say. Um, they took care of business against the Giants, helped you out a little bit. Um, but honestly, not a wow game. It was just kind of a, okay, like, you know, went out there, did what was expected. Um, so I'll start offensively and uh, start with Tua. I thought he played, you know, uh, I'll give him like a <clears throat> C plus for for this game. I don't think he had to do too much. <clears throat> Executed the game plan, made throws when he had to. But, you know, this game, I really saw him, I think, be too aggressive. I do like the aggressiveness, right? Uh, the aggressiveness, you're, you're going to live with that. Uh, you want your QB to be aggressive uh, in the big moments and make throws because he can make throws. Uh, but the two picks, I just felt um, more so the first one was uh, concerning to me. You know, they were at the goal line right before the half, and he knows better. Um, you just got to either come away with points or hold the ball. Um, sorry, come away with a touchdown there or hold the ball, um, you know, get three right before the half so that the, the Giants don't have a chance, right? But he forces a throw that really wasn't even there, like, um, in the first place, forces it, tip drill, you know, pick six all the way back the other way, 102 yards. That can't happen. He knows that. Um, but I just was like, why, what, you know, what is he doing there? I, I truly just didn't understand um, that decision. And then the second pick, I mean, the pressure was coming back in his face. Uh, he tries to dump it off to Waddle. Waddle's like, wasn't looking either. It was like, like a weird timing kind of pick there. Um, kind of sailed right over his head. I don't think he was just, he just wasn't anticipating the ball right there. Also not a great throw by Tua, a little bit behind him and high. Uh, but that one you live with, right? Because it's more, you know, somewhat communication and pressure um, getting right into his face. And he tried to, you know, hit his guy and the pressure caused a misthrow. Those ones you live with, like, you know, like the tip drills um, or like off receiver's hands. So, some of that stuff you just, you live with, but that first one can't happen. Um, other than that, I thought he played well. And, you know, we once again saw the speed. Uh, Jalen Waddle finally gets involved um, on his touchdown. I know people were kind of ripping on Tua like, oh, he's after the Buffalo game. Oh, they took away his first read. They took away his first read. And he couldn't do anything after that. But, you know, lo and behold, Tua goes in uh, on the first touchdown. He looks to his right, has his first two reads kind of taken away, scrambles out left, hits Jalen um, off script there. So I don't know. You know, I think it's ridiculous. People say, like, he's only a one-read quarterback because um, that really is his skill set to process information quickly and get the ball out fast. So um, good to see that. Defensively, I will say, Thank goodness they could sack Daniel Jones because it seems like everyone can sack Daniel Jones. Um, Giants line has been poor um, all year long. Finally good to see a pass rush get home. Um, 
even if it is against second, third string offensive linemen, just to see that um, defensively, I thought was really, really nice to see there. So a lot of good things, you know, we can build on on both sides of the ball. But now our hope, the hope is that uh, A-Chan is healthy because he popped up on the injury report with a knee. He's been so explosive. Um, everything I could have hoped for and more. Matt, you know, I talked about at the beginning of the season, right? Hey, he was your watch breakout out, player. Watch out yep. for A-Chan. I told you um, all the reports that were coming out of camp, like, oh, this guy has that breakaway speed. And he was getting the CJ2K comparisons, right? And that's a big lofty comparison, right? Because a lot of guys are fast, but it doesn't always translate to success on the field. But I think Achan is a guy where you see him hit the hole and get to the second level untouched. It's like, oh, he has that potential to hit a home run every single time he gets to that second level because he's almost not Tyreek-esque, but... Um, he's not just straight line fast. He is, he has a little bit of agility, you know, like he can make a cut or two and then he's gone. Um, you take a wrong angle on him. He's, he'll burn you. So I just think it's really nice to have him. Hopefully, you know, he's not too banged up. We don't, he doesn't have to miss any time because right now this, this Dolphins offense, I don't know if you saw this statistic map, but they're currently on pace to break the, greatest show on turf's yardage record they have more yards than that rams team did through five weeks so um i believe miami is first uh in yards per game passing as well as first in yards per game rushing which is a kind of crazy feat because you know everyone was saying oh you know this team's not going to be successful in the winter because Tua can't throw the ball but they lead the league in rushing so um Really, really impressed with Mike McDaniel and his system that he's been implementing here. Um, and I, I just want to touch on this really fast because I think it's con- almost the opposite of what Dallas does, right? You look at what Mike McDaniel wanted to do. They went out and got players to fit a scheme or vice versa. You know, they had, they saw what they had. Okay, we want to run this. So let's go get Tyreek Hill. Let's go get a draft a guy like Jalen Waddle. Let's go... Um, you know, or, sorry, Jalen Waddle was already there, but you know, we, you have the speed. Let's utilize the speed. Moster, right? Moster, right? You that. go out and get Moster. You draft a Chan, right? Cedric Wilson, he can, you know, he can run pretty well with the rest of them too. Robbie Chosen, right? So guys like this, go out and get players that are gonna fit whatever scheme you're trying to run. And but also on the flip side, as a coach and a play caller, I think you have to be flexible enough to acknowledge what you have and say, okay, you know, we don't have a Travis Kelsey as a tight end, right? But he's going to block. He's going to make a catch when he has to, right? So I just think it's a it's kind of a mix between the front office um, and the coaching staff kind of marrying um, them together. And I think you really get to see Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel, the work they put in this offseason, the game plan that they wanted to do, Hey, Chris, we want to run this speed, speed, speed. All right, well, let me go get you some fast guys then, right? Um, so I think that's it's been a good display through five weeks. And also before you know, I'm done with the Dolphins, I do want to shout out their offensive line because their offensive line has been playing extremely well above my expectations. Um, yes, Tua is getting the ball out fast, but um, you know, they've been holding up well. 
And I mean, they lead the league in rushing. You can't do that with, you know, a from the offensive line, right? So shout out to them. Teron Armstead was also out this game. The six guys that have been playing, I just got to tip my cap to them because I think they've been playing extremely well. And I hope they continue to do so throughout the year because I think, uh, yeah, looking on to next week, we got the Panthers at home. That one, I mean, we should once again we take care of business. 50. <laughs> I think the spread is going to be at least two touchdowns. Um, might be even more considering they're at home and how they look. But nonetheless, any given Sunday, right? We we all know this lesson. Don't fall into the trap. Don't get complacent. Pedal to the metal. Um, just keep it going. So I'll leave it at that for my Dolphins. Um, and then we can get to a couple segments here, uh, things we want to talk about. So we'll get to our top five since it's been week five. We're through week five now officially. Uh, me and Matt here are going to get to our top five teams in the NFL. So, Matt, I'll let you go first. Do you have your list ready? Um, one through five, you can kind of list yours off, and then I'll give mine after. All right. I'll go five to one in reverse order. So, I'll go number five. I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs, four and one. You know, I don't think they're as potent as they were years before, but Mahomes is playing really well, and we see what Travis Kelsey does when he's on the field. He just makes them a completely different offense. The emergence of Isaiah Pacheco, I think, this year, taking that next level, um, that's a huge bonus for them. So I got them at number five. Number four, I'm going to go with the Lions. I think the Lions are scary this year. Ben Johnson, I've been saying this from last year. This dude is a wizard at play calling. He should have been a head coach this year, but the fact that they kept him just changed the dynamic of this team to me, keeping them intact. You build off of that. And it's like a resurgence with guys like David Montgomery, Jared Goff, right? So... I think the Lions are doing great to start this year. They're number four for me. Number three, I got your Dolphins. Their offense, maybe the 49ers, but you could make a case they're the best offense in the league at this mm-hmm. point. And it's hard to stop a team that scores 30-plus points a game and can score in one play. So I got them at number three. Number two, sadly... At this point of the season, I have the Eagles at number two. It hasn't been all that impressive, but it's hard to debate 5-0 and against any team. So I got them at number two. Number one, I got to tip my hat to these guys, the 49ers. They are the number one team in the NFL at this point. They are the most complete team to me because they just put a demolition on my team that I saw with my own eyes, and I am convinced that they are legit and it's not like dallas is a scrub team they're not and the fact that they made them look that bad shows how good they are so i got the niners at number one okay um yeah i'll just save some time so one through four is actually all the same um for my list my shakeup though i do not have the chiefs in the top five um, oh no, they're the defending champs though so I get that they're the defending champs, but so here's my criteria, right? Um, I also have, I'm going to look at who, who have they played? 
up until this point in the season and what have I seen. So personally, the Chiefs, like you said, not the most impressive. I get it. They are 4-1, and one, right? To me, they have one quality win against Jacksonville, um, but, you know, really only put up 17 points. I think their defense right now is a little bit more of a cornerstone um, than their offense at this point. You know, Chris Jones. That's what's scary to me. I got to tip my cap to Chris Jones because he is just a game changer, like truly a game wrecker. Um, that guy coming up the middle, he's going to create a lot of problems, but I am just going to give the slight edge and, you know, recency bias, whatever. But, um, as of now, I'm going to give it to Jacksonville at five. Um, you know, you beat the bills. Okay. We're in London. I get it. You know, we're away, but it's still the bills, right? Um, they're a good team. We saw what their defense can do. I just thought Trevor Lawrence played, you know, his best game of the season, um, as well as they finally got Travis Etienne going. And I think he's going to be the X factor for them. You get him going. Uh, Calvin really had a great game. And that defense kind of stepped up, right? You know, that pass rush can get home. So I thought Jacksonville was is more impressive to me at this point than Kansas City. I think if they play again, I think Jacksonville wins. Um, and honestly, like you said, uh, the Chiefs, I just don't have them in that top five right now. I'm sure at the end of the year, they will be there again. Uh, I'm not doubting that. I'm just saying as of right now, from what I've seen, and I don't like to say they get bailed out by the refs, but there are certain times where it's, I truly don't understand some of the calls. The Vikings game, for example, right? Okay, the pass interference that, you know, eventually got picked up at the end of the game. Okay, whatever. You want to argue that, I get it. But the corner takes off his helmet to go yell at the officials. That, to me, is an automatic, right? That's an automatic penalty. We saw that with DJ Moore last year against the Falcons, right? He took his helmet off in celebration, 15 yards, pushed the kickback. It altered the entire course of that game because the Panthers went on to lose on what should have been an incredible Hail Mary touchdown from P.J. Walker. But, you know, that penalty gets enforced and pushes back. On the video, you can clearly see the ref tell tell the DB, like, put your helmet on. Like, put your helmet back on. So... You know, the whole broadcast booth was saying, yeah, that should be a penalty. That should be at least 15 yards, you know. And to me, that alters the course of the game as well. And so, I don't know. I Just a couple things like that to me, um, you don't really look too impressive other than, you know, you blow out the Bears. Okay, congrats. Um, but Everybody's I don't know. blowing out the Bears. Yeah, well, most people are blowing out Except the Bears. Except the commanders. So, yeah. But, yeah, to me – I don't know. I just, to me, they're not a top five team right now. Are are they right outside? Yes. You know, and no doubt about that. But I just think uh, Jacksonville coming off two big wins are are the slightly more impressive team. And it was between the, you know, the Bills are also right there. Could have given it to the Bills, even though they lost. Um, I just think they're a complete team. But I might have Kansas City at seven at this point, and then the Bills at six. So, um I really want to see uh, the Chiefs later in the season because, I mean, they play the Broncos twice and they play the Chargers, who they kind of, yeah, the Chargers play them tough, but, um, you know, we've seen what the Chargers look like this year. Um, I think the real test starts with Miami and Germany, and then they go on and play the Eagles. Then they got the Bills later in the season. So um, I think that'll be 
the real test of how Kansas City looks against that upper echelon of teams because I just think strength of schedule matters. You know, who you play matters. So, um, yeah, I'll go ahead and, and leave it at that. Um, couple minutes left here. I just want to get to a couple quick hitters um, on games. And one of them um, that I wanted to address, you know, besides the, the Jacksonville one, um, which I thought was impressive. Where is it? The Baltimore game. So I just want to talk about Lamar Jackson really quickly because I didn't watch the game. But the fact that Pittsburgh won 17 to 10 is concerning to me if I'm a Ravens fan. Because that offense, you know, you bring in OBJ, you get Zay Flowers, should be a lot more explosive. Until I went to go see kind of the highlights, I think the Ravens had seven drop passes or something like that. Yeah. And not just like, it was you know, bad. not just like, oh, extended out drop or, you know, a contested, a DB is rearing right in on you drop. Like a touchdown was dropped, um, literally hit him right, could have hit him in the face mask. That's how good of a throw it was. Um, Mark Andrews dropped it or, you know, let a ball go right through his hands. Of course, Nelson, no hands, Aguilar lets one literally, literally go right through his hands. That would have been a touchdown as well. Would have been a touchdown as well. Let me say that. Incredible throws by Lamar. Honestly, Um, I thought he played really well. He still looks like MVP Lamar Jackson. I think he looks better as a thrower right now, which is scary. But if his guys don't catch the ball, like what? What can you even do about that? So, um, I think Baltimore will be good because I don't think Pittsburgh is that good at three and two. Shout out to Mike Tomlin, of course. We always give him props in the show because somehow the Steelers are there, and we wrote them off two. earlier in the season too. Yeah, I mean, I don't. That should serve us wrong, right? For writing them off. Um, we should know better. Yeah, we should know better. Uh, to do that, but I'm not, you know, gonna bash. Lamar for not uh coming away with that one. And then the other really quick one, the Jets and the Broncos. Um, I feel good. I I you know, I don't hate Sean Payton or anything, but you know, with some of the stuff he was saying over this, you know, uh offseason, oh, it's such a terrible job. And then you bring Russ in, oh, now Russ is gonna be good. I just think it's the irony of the situation is just so good because Sean Payton was hyping everything up. Here go the Broncos, spend all this money, trade all their capital to get Russ, to get Sean Payton, what they're one and four, um, <laughs> you know, and took a miracle comeback to beat the Bears, right? So honestly, um, Zach Wilson does his thing, did enough to get the win. Um, I just think it's poetic that it was Russ fumbling the ball um, and fumbling the game away for Nathaniel Hackett on the other side to get the win. So I just thought that was interesting. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was an interesting week of, of football. But we got yes, some baseball was. to talk to. All right. We got some baseball to talk about. I got some stuff I got to talk about. So uh, yeah, we'll take a quick break here and uh, we'll get to playoff baseball. Okay, so playoff baseball is finally here. We had wild card weekend, all that. We know what the division series looks like. Two games in so far in the ALDS and the NLDS. But I got to get the Dodgers off my chest first. Their second game wrapped today. And I'll start with game one. 
Um, I had a yeah. front row seat of that one. <laughs> um, yeah, it must have been an eerily quiet uh, Dodger Stadium because all the hype, um, you know, going into this one, this team shouldn't have been there. How is this a 100-win team? Well, some of those questions are fine. Like, it's rearing its head now because we go out there, Clayton Kershaw, I, it's so painful because I love him so much and you want him to beat the postseason allegations so bad. And I'll be honest, the past several years, including that 2020 World Series, he's pitched better in the postseason. He has. He had the struggles earlier, but as of recent years, you know, he has been a better pitcher. This year, he has been, you know, one of our more consistent guys. And I don't know how much the shoulder injury, you know, affected everything, but man, Arizona is just locked in and they were locked in in that game one because every single ball in that first inning seemed like it was a hard hit ball, right? He goes, what, he gets one out in that first inning, six runs. Um, yeah, just a really, really sad first game. Um, and really like what what could what was left you know we couldn't gather any offensive momentum either i think what we lost 11 to 2 so i'll just say that game one you know like it's so evident to me that the lack of starting pitching is good was going to hurt us i knew that i didn't know it would be this bad right you know ideally we would have had julio out there would have had Walker Bueller out there. Obviously, those two, well, Julio's probably done in the bigs. Um, and then, you know, Walker Bueller, he tr tried to make the push to come back, just wasn't ready this year. Um, but to me, it really, really was the lack of any kind of response from this team offensively. And, you know, I was texting you during the blowout, like, just get some kind of momentum. We can still lose the game. That's fine, right? But get some, you know, some kind of juice in this game going into so that you have something to build on for the next game, right? And yeah, they got a couple runs. They scratch across late, but it just seemed like after that first inning, they gave up. Honestly, if that's what it felt like watching, like they blank stairs. It too. Blank so I don't stairs. know if you, yep. I don't know if you heard it, but on the radio Dodger channel, I was listening to it on the ride back to my hotel. They interviewed Will Smith, and he said, after the first inning, they were like, "Okay, you know, six runs, but we got plenty of game left, right? You know, we can chip away." But then after they gave up three in the second, they said, "Yeah, we felt we felt the blow there, and it was hard to come back from that." So they, your own catcher is saying. We quit. We felt the blow <laughs> and we had yeah, no and, response. And see, I, I just don't, I don't know if that's, I've never been in a major league, you know, clubhouse before, but is that, is that a Dave Roberts managerial thing? Like he can't motivate his guys. Is it the team captains? You know, is it Mookie? Is it Freddie? Is it Kirsch? They're all hanging their heads. So, you know, if they're going to hang their heads, everyone, what is everyone else going to do? Right. At least, um, and I'll get to, you know, I'll save it for, for the game two stuff, but yeah, like that lack of, I didn't get any, I didn't feel any 
fight back, right? Um, yeah, okay, we're hustling, but it just that energy that I was getting watching the game, like it just seemed didn't seem there. So honestly, I turned it off. I was like, maybe I'm bad luck. Let me turn <laughs> off the game. I'm not gonna watch the rest of the game, right? So game one, it is what it is. You know, the Diamondbacks were hot. Um, they stayed hot. All right. Coming into tonight, I thought must, I mean, obviously it's a must win, right? You go down 2-0, you're cooked. Lo and behold, that's what happened. Um, I mean, you still got to play out the rest of the games. We've seen comebacks from 2-0 before in the division series. It's not the 3-0 curse, right? So you still got, you know, you still got a chance. But I just wanted to see the top of our lineup show up, right? Somewhat. Mookie, we paid all this money to go get you. Freddie, we signed you to be the consistent guy. And I think through two games, they're combined one for 13. Mookie does not have a hit. You know, he got on base. He got lucky, squirted off the pitcher's glove. But where is the, where is the, you know, the Mookie bets and Freddie Freeman potential MVPs from this year? And it's just so, I can't even say frustrating because it's not frustration that I feel. And it's not disappointment, but it's like, I want them to prove me wrong. And they're just proving me right again. You know, it's same old Dodgers, all the hype. Oh, wow, this offense is doing, you know, such great things during the regular season to come up small once again in the postseason. Like, if if we lose, you know, we're going to lose 7-6 or 7, you know, seven to five because we don't have the pitching staff i get it but i think the team is hitting like under 200 um throughout these first two games and it's just i it's i don't know what the word is to describe because they just they're just not hitting that point blank period they're not hitting the ball and you look at arizona i watched the whole game today and even Arizona's outs are all loud outs. They're hard hit line drives to the outfield, right? And I'm just not even seeing solid contact from this Dodgers team. Even the base hits are like kind of scribblers or, you know, infield hits. We had one hard hit ball from J.D. Martinez with no one on, right? He had a chance in that first inning, struck out. So, you know, one hard hit ball the whole game, really, I thought. Um, and Arizona is just the hot, hungry, young team right now. And that's usually the team that, that goes far in the playoffs. Um, but I just don't understand how it's every year, you know, the bats just don't show up. And this year it seems more evident than ever had, had the opportunity bases loaded one out. You need to score more than one run. You need to, right. Only can scratch one across James Altman. I thought had a bad approach in his at bat, right? With one out. 2-0, right? 2-0, he's thrown nothing but breaking balls, right? In the dirt or low. His third pitch, you're swinging at a curveball low outside of the zone. Brings him back into the count, right? Then you go on, you go proceed to strike out. Then Colton Wong, I mean, I thought, you know, 50-50 decision there. You leave Miggy in. He's not the best hitter, but he did have a you know hard hit ball his last time up. But okay, you want to bring in the lefty righty matchup? Sure. 
I don't think there's a wrong decision either way. Like that's just flip a coin, right? But he can't get it done. And just just frustrating because you need to be able to scratch something across there. You know, James, put the ball and put like get it in the air to the outfield. That's all you have to do, right? Just find a way. I mean, it's better than a double play. I don't know how many double plays we had today. Maybe like two or three, two or three double Rucho plays. Ones. Late in the game, Fine, too. Yeah, late in the we finally get a guy on. Finally get some kind of life. Freddie double play. Finally get someone on. Chris Taylor double play. Like, it's just I don't understand because I don't know what their approach is. I think their approach has to change. Zach Gallen, give him credit. You know, he was dealing today, but You've seen Zach Callen. We know what Zach Gallen has. You guys have hit him this year. This year, you've hit Zach Allen. I think he has one win over the Dodgers in his entire career. Maybe he has two now. I don't know if today was his first one or if it was his second one, but it's something like that. And you have hit him hard this year. So you know his stuff. And so did the does the approach change? Are you are you know, are you is it nerves? But he's blowing 94 fastballs right by you guys. Are we not looking to hit? Like, what are we looking for? Are we just are we just missing the ball? I don't know. I don't know, Matt. It's just so puzzling to me how we can have so much success. And once the playoffs start, it's not even like we're hitting the ball hard and getting out. It's weak contact. It's pop flies. We're getting jammed. It's slow ground balls in the infield. And I just, to me, I said we were going to have to out-hit everyone just to beat whoever we play. And the bats haven't shown up. To my surprise, the bullpen, you know, has been really good. I'm going to actually tip my cap to Dave Roberts. I have gotten on him in the past several years. But I thought pitching standpoint-wise, he did as good as a manager can do. Bobby Miller, you know, I was hoping to see more from him, but he struggled with his command. You know, three runs. Okay, we survived that first inning, right? Down only three compared to six from the last game. But Dave Roberts, I thought every reliever he brought in, you know, did their job. One home run from Brazier that, quite honestly, was a good pitch. You can argue... Maybe not the best pitch to throw there, but a ball down outside of the zone. But Gurriel, you know, reaches down and goes and gets it and barrels it up. Home run. Solo home run. But but you limit the damage. I That's just one of those, you know, those runs that home runs that are just kind of free. And, then, and it happens, right? But so I'm actually going to give Dave a lot of credit um, with his decisions on the mound because they, you know, they were all the right moves shut down Arizona pretty much after that first inning. Um, relievers got out of big spots when they got in trouble. So I tip my cap to the bullpen and and Dave Roberts for for how they handled their side. But, guys, we got to score. We got to score. And because we're going to have to we're, – we were already – we kind of knew we were going to need four or five runs a game. Yes, it's the playoffs, but we knew this. We knew we don't have the pitching. So I don't know if it's pressure. I don't know what it is. I just hope we don't get swept by Arizona. And, you know, now it's the little brothers baby bullying the big brothers in the NL West, right? 
So I don't know. I just want to see some kind of fight from this team. At least I see, you know, Brister Gratterall yelling and trying to get guys fired up, right? But where is that? I don't see that from Mookie. I don't see that from Freddie when I look at the TV, right? Just kind of stout. Um, and yeah, they're even keeled. I like the, you know, no panic kind of thing, but like get some energy or passion fired up, you know, a little bit. I don't know. I don't that's, know, Matt. That's um, funny that you mentioned that because I'm shocked. I'm actually shocked that you said you liked how Dave Roberts has been managing the series so far. Well, the pitching. I'll say the pitching. Okay. Because I would say, yes, the pitching. He had no choice. Like, you can't be, oh, I'm going to save my guys for game three. Not when you're down 1-0. At home, you got to win this game in game two. So you should be throwing out your A bullpen. You have a rookie starting pitcher. Yes, it should be a short leash. But where I think Dave Roberts really messed up, and I'm going from the perspective of I saw game one. What are you going to make an adjustment in in game two? You mentioned it. I think everybody knows as Dodger fans, the offense was atrocious in game one, right? Kershaw, whatever, he he wasn't good, but the offense was bad. How do you roll out the same starting nine after you put up that performance in game one? He rolled out the same lineup. To me, that needs to change. You cannot have the same nine that you just saw could do nothing four hits in game one will smith had two so no offense really from eight guys and you throw out the same lineup and you got a rookie. But i think that's the best that's like the best we got i don't i, I don't know i disagree I, I actually disagree because maybe there's a little bit more intel that i i, I heard of but to me after game one i wouldn't have played james out Okay, see that one. You can. I wouldn't have played Jay defensively and offensively. I think what I would have done. Well, James Altman admitted he was nervous from that first catch, and I don't know. To me, that's a catchable ball, and that changed the whole momentum of the game for Kershaw and for the Dodgers. And I, I was telling my dad this. I was like, "Doesn't the Dodger? Don't the Dodgers have a reputation of going with veterans?" Like, look at when Corey Seager came up when he was a rookie. He didn't start. Just He had all the flash. He was the talented guy coming up. But they didn't start him in the playoffs. They used Jimmy Rollins because he was the veteran and he knew how to handle the situation. So in my case, why not go with Kiki Hernandez? And you mentioned it. You need energy. What better guy to, to bring energy than Kike? The crowd loves Kike. He could be the worst hitter on the team, and the crowd is going to still chant, Kike, Kike. They're going to get behind him. And he's the guy that's going to flash. He's going to do his, you know, the salsa dance or whatever you guys do. Right? Like, how do you not get him in the lineup from the start of the game instead of bring him off the bench? That, to me, needs to change. Jason Hayward, yes, he's a great defender. But have you seen his hitting lately? It's been pretty bad. <laughs> he had some horrible at-bats in game one. I don't think he did anything in game two, from my from what I understand. Yes, I know the lefty-righty thing, but why not? First off, why is Mookie also playing second? Put him in the right, put him in right field. 
<laughs> he's the best right fielder for a reason. Leave him there. Put Chris Taylor at second. Heck, do you want to do lefty-righty? Start Colton Wong. He's a veteran. He's a lefty bat. Roberts loves his analytics. But the whole point of the story is, how do you roll out the same lineup? I, I That's what I don't understand. And I would be frustrated if I was you seeing that. Yeah, okay. I, I do... The the one thing I'll say is the Altman, um, Altman for, you know, you can argue Chris Taylor, Kike, whoever. I would it say is. Kike. You want but a spark? He can give it to you. Honestly, Hayward has been hitting all year. Okay, Peralta, David Peralta, he's struggled more in the second half, but had a big double or had not he's big double, good. had a double. <laughs> right, yeah. he he can put the ball in play, and so it's just, but it's just everyone. No one could get anything going tonight. You know, top all however many guys they 12, 13 guys they put out there today. Like it just it's just frustrating to see no one be able to just two or three guys piece a couple ones together. I just never felt any of that momentum. Even when we had the bases loaded, right? It's like that was a huge inning. Yeah. When we had you know, when you have the bases loaded, it's the excitement, but I had the opposite feeling. It was like nerves. It was like, oh no, we're not gonna score. Versus, all right, it's bases loaded. Let's go get them, right? You know what I mean? That mentality right. as a fan to have that, it's like it's not a good feeling. And I don't know if that's what they were feeling too. It's like, oh man, if if we blow it here, that's it, right? If we don't get anything, that's it. That shouldn't be the mentality. It should be okay. Yeah, bases loaded. Let's go get it. Let's go put up crooked numbers this inning. But to me, it felt like they felt that pressure. It's like, oh man, I can't, I can't, we can't waste this opportunity. We have to, you know, it's it's like they're pressing, they're pressing like Jane, like Altman. Yeah, that that at bat, <laughs> right? I could have seen. I don't understand. Maybe you, you, why don't you want to pinch hit in that situation? But who, I mean, who are you going to bring? Austin Barnes. You want to bring AB off the bench? Hey, maybe he has a little bit of postseason, you know, magic in him, but. You know, where's he gonna, you know, who's gonna play outfield after that? So I don't know. It's uh or why did why did he, let me ask you this? Because he did Chris Taylor and Kike back to back, right? That yeah. pinch hit. But you got Altman hitting behind. Why why you take out Peralta? Because I feel like Peralta, I mean, he's not, you know, who's a good lefty hitter. He's not Freddie Freeman. He actually is a good lefty but, hitter, though, but he's hitting enough. I think he's one of the better hitters at this point. Why you take him out, right? Game one, he had the the nice double. I think he had a nice he lined out right in this game. So it's like okay, he's making some contact. Altman hasn't been making any hard contact. Yeah. So why don't you pinch hit Kiki in that spot? You know, like take your chances with the hotter hitter. That's what I don't understand. I don't. I I I agree with you though. Something has to change. Um. I don't know. I don't care what. Obviously, the top four guys can't move. Top five guys, you'd say. Yeah. With JD, right? I, yeah, JD, I, I agree. I could argue you you drop Will Smith, put JD at the three or the four, um, just for a little bit more pop. Okay, Will Smith had two hits, but traditionally not a good postseason hitter, unfortunately. I think he his average drops to 200 in the postseason. And so, you know, that's unfortunate to see because he's a, what, 270, 280 regular season hitter. Mookie. Mookie's postseason um, batting average is all the way down in like the two fifties, I think. 
Freddie is there. JD is there. Right. Kike is traditionally a good postseason guy, but that's the thing. Like, that's why I think we miss guys like Jock, Jock Peterson, right? Not historically good in the regular season average, but he is one of those guys that just turns it on. We miss Corey Seager, right? Justin Turner. To Justin Turner, guys like consistent guys, belly. You know, we miss belly so bad right now. And so I don't know what. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying Friedman is kind of getting on the hot seat now. I'm going to give him at least a year more of slack because, you know, he has been, you know, proven to be put together winning clubs. But I don't know, Matt, I need to see just something. Just show me some fight, something, right? At least I think it. maybe it's crazy, but it's a good thing. I'm glad Lance Lynn is starting. I never thought I would say that in a potential elimination game that Lance Lynn is starting. It could be a disaster. It could be a four or five run first inning from him with two or three home runs given up in the first inning alone. Maybe it happens, but I know what he is going to bring. And that's that fire, right? That energy, get the guys riled up, get something, just show some fight. Like don't go out sad again. Another hundred your you know 100 win season okay great but show some fight man like i want to see some some kind of offense just give me a little bit of hope you know that you're not going to go down like hitting 100 <laughs> so i'll leave it at that i it's not over i'm venting like the season's over it feels like it is but it's not so maybe something changes you know baseball's a weird sport you got to go game by game right Anything can happen. So I'll save the big rants for if, um, you know, the season is over next week. But just, just come on. Uh, like, show me something. Lance okay. Lynn. <laughs> yeah. Lance Lynn, the ball is in your hands, boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Never thought I'd be so excited about that, but it is what it is at this point. Okay, let's get to the rest of the <laughs> – of the postseason because it's been pretty exciting so far really quickly recapping the wild card round um rangers all over the rays i think we were wrong about that (laughs) we were both so wrong about that but the texas bats man they're just showing up pitchers are you know doing what they have to do they shut down tampa tampa bay and so yep they're hot right now the rangers you know that lineup that they put together in the offseason, finally paying off. Corey Seager, just a playoff performer. He's been playing outstanding. Their pitching has been holding up. You know, Monty has been good for them, right? I'm sure you miss him. Um, And so, good for Texas. I believe they are up 2-0, right? They're up 2-0 against Baltimore right now. Um, They're looking like a scary team to come out. Uh, On the flip side, the NL side, Arizona, you know, two really good wins against a good Brewers team. And the thing that's so scary about Arizona to me is that game two, they were down and, you know, on the road, no quit, uh, found a way to come back against a really good Brewers bullpen. Um, They got to Devin Williams in game one, I believe too. So this team is scary. It's always that hot team, right? That, that is going to make the run. So another really scary team. 
Um, and uh, as we see now, they <laughs> have stayed hot, unfortunately. Um, other two series I want to get to, I'll start in the AL side. So that one is tied one apiece. Uh, kind of surprised that Minnesota was able to scratch a game in Houston, honestly. But, hey, props to them. Uh, Royce Lewis is looking like – He's the rookie of the year at this point. Rookie for, of well, the year at this point. Yeah. Um, he's been looking really good. And, you know, they kind of got to – um, Who was Valde- it? Valdez. Valdez, yeah. They got to him a little bit, which was surprising because he's been, you know – one of their better postseason performers up is until their, this point. their quote unquote ace, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and credit to uh to that Pablo Lopez, right? He shut down Houston. Um they only were able to score two runs with that dynamic offense. So I mean Jordan is still a monster though, I gotta say. He's him a and Altuve performer, man. Him and Altuve, I hate to admit, those two guys are they go the team goes as they go. Right. Yeah. Jose um, starting things off. But they're so deep, like it, it, their offense could come from almost anywhere except their catcher position. But, you know, they're going to get offense from probably anyone. Um, I still think Houston wins a series, but I think it'll go five. I think it can go I agree. five. It's gonna I, go I was five. I didn't think it was going to go five. Honestly, I thought, you know, Houston just been there, done that. Going to just kind of out outclass and outmatch the twins. But hey, maybe Correa. Is fired up. Um, he's oh, another postseason performer. Is. He's another postseason performer. Surprisingly, you know. Um, so he's been he's hot right now. We'll see. I think that'll be interesting. I think that one could go five. Maybe the Twins squeak it out and surprise everyone. I don't know. Um, I would not go be... that far. That that's yeah. a bold pick. I think five. I think it's no. Be I five. still think it's Houston in five because they're more consistent, but. Um, it'll be a little bit more interesting, I think, than we initially thought. Um, but let's get to what probably feels like the NLCS at this point, uh, the Phillies and the Braves, just the excitement between those two. Philly comes out, just stuns them in game one, right? Um, Braves can't get anything going offensively in that game. Shut out this offense, shut out, right? Trey Turner makes a great defensive play. Um, but really, yeah, credit to the Phillies pitching staff. I thought they pulled Suarez out kind of early. I thought that would kind of come back to bite them, but you know, credit to um Rob Thompson. He he knows Rob how to, Thompson, yeah, yeah. He knows how to do it, I think. He knows how to how to do it with his guys. Um and hey, this Phillies, you know, we said it at the beginning of the year. This Phillies lineup can go toe-to-toe with the Dodgers, with the Braves with the Rangers is kind of the best hitting lineups in all of baseball. Right. So, um, Trey Turner, you know, staying kind of hot, but really the, the big ones, um, I thought was, uh, Harper. Um, and even if you want to go back to that, uh, wild card series against the Marlins who we're not surprised that they won <laughs> obviously, but the stock grand slam was huge. You know, I thought that was such a typical Phillies uh, momentum builder for them. Like, they were riding into this Braves series. Like, they were ready to take on Atlanta. Everyone's been hearing Atlanta's their this historic offense, blah, 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 blah. Phillies like, hey, we were in the World Series last year. You know, we, and we've been there Atlanta too. last year. Yeah, and we beat them last year. So, um, 
yeah, that that first one, shocking how little that Atlanta offense did. But really, let's get to today's game because that one was a crazy one. Sheesh. Phillies jump all over them early. JT Real Muto two run home run. Um, you know it's four zero, and not only was it four zero, but Atlanta kind of felt like the Dodgers at that point. Nothing, absolutely nothing going offensively, right? The next thing you you know, oh, Cunha gets on. Oh, Albies with a base hit. And then his first inter- and what like you blink and it's like, oh, it's 4-1 now because Trey Turner can't handle the ball. And then you look again, oh, Darno, right? One guy on home run. Oh, their Braves are right back in it. Now they're feeling themselves a little bit. And then that bat of the game, Austin Riley, right? Battles it out. Um, they just paid him. And hits a, you know, go ahead, two run home run. Place explodes, and then you know credit to the Braves defense because you know oh, Michael, Michael Harris, Harris play of the post there. play of the postseason so far defensively. Um, robs an extra base hit from Castellanos, and not only that, but to double up Harper, uh, get the throw in. Impressive play by Austin Riley kind of back up that play. I don't know what he's doing all the way out there, um, especially with Harper running all the way uh, to third base. But, hey, credit to him backing up that play uh, to double up Harper. This is going to be a good series. This one is going five, I think, uh, with how the Phillies' bats are. And now if Atlanta has woken up, um, this one could. I think this one can go five. But to me, the Phillies really, really squandered a chance to put Atlanta on the brink. Because they had just nothing going, um, just kind of let let them back into the series as a whole. It almost feels like, um, you know, they got after Max Freed. <sighs> to me, because I don't want Atlanta to win, but I don't want the Phillies to win either. It doesn't really matter. Uh, I don't really care who's gonna win that. Um, but it it just feels like the Phillies really really squandered a chance to like to be right there and to only need to win one more game. You're, you go home up 2-0. You and know, Citizens crowd Bank behind is, you. is going to be bumping. And so they're already going to be bumping for these two games. I think, you know, they'll have a big advantage. But, man, you just feel like they, they missed out on an opportunity there. Um, but, yeah. So, I don't know, Matt. Um, curious to get your take on on everything if there's anything you really wanted to touch on from those other ones um uh, i think the well the rangers orioles i think kind of safe to say but I, I think it's a wrap at some point texas their offense is too good and like i said no felix bautista at the end of the bullpen that's huge to me it's just psychologically huge and the orioles are young they'll be back They'll be a good team for a few years. So no real shame to me in them losing as a one seed, but I think they're done. Twins Astros, I think that's going to go five, but the Braves Phillies. I think this is the, this is the series of the round. I think, Mm -hmm. I think whoever wins this series wins the world series. (laughs) I, I, I think, that's how good both of they are both of them are and with the Dodgers just I, I said this in the in the preview the Urias loss 
it just messed them up and messed them up in depth and the ability to match up with these two teams. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a great series. I'm actually excited to watch these next few games in this series. But yeah, it's gonna it's it's good. It's gonna be a good one. Trey Turner. What do you think about Trey Turner though? I want to ask you this. Do you think Trey Turner should be a little more faulted for his error? Because I think that's a huge that's a big error. One. That's, oh, a that's a huge, huge error. One. And he he I mean he had a he's had a pretty good postseason so far, but it's kind of like the Outman thing, right? It's like, oh yeah, you don't think about it in the big picture, but it's like that snowball effect. Oh yeah. Like that you cannot have that. And especially for him as a veteran, a World Series champion, you cannot have that. Yeah. And he's been having a up and down postseason so yeah. far. I mean, he made a great play in game one that saved the game. Um, but then to go on and you know, just boot the ball, and then he also had an error earlier in the game that you know mm-hmm. stopped the I believe it was a perfect game up until that point for for Wheeler. So yeah, just can't have those those small things in playoff baseball as we know just add up um and pile on. So um yeah, it'll be it'll be a good watch uh the rest of the way. But let's let's close it out here. We have a couple things uh to get to. You want to get to you know a segment based off Brandon Staley. Um the foolish fools. Interesting. Um but let's get to the foolish fool of the week, Mario Cristobal, former Oregon coach. Um, set the scene here. All Miami has to do is kneel out third and fourth down, and the game is over. Lo and behold, they choose to run on third down. The running back fumbles. He was also down, by the way, but he fumbles. Georgia Tech gets the ball back, goes on and scores a touchdown in, what, like 10 seconds or 20 seconds? 30 seconds on the last play of the game. (laughs) On the last play of the game. Just absolutely ridiculous. I don't understand because Miami was also undefeated up until that point, really looking like could be one of those surprise teams in the end and to just choke it all the way to Georgia (laughs) tech at home when all you have to do is kneel it out. And apparently he's done this before. He did this at Oregon. This is the second time he did that. I don't, is he thro- like maybe he has to be investigated at this hey, point? Yeah, Honestly, I don't know. maybe he works out with Brandon Staley. You know, they discuss oh, playbooks geez. together because <laughs> it's the same same kind of thing. That's but the just whole- the fact that if you kneel it, it's over, right? You kneel it out twice, it's over. Like, yeah. what? Are no, he could doing? kneel it once. It was third down. They have no timeouts. It was like thirty-seven seconds. Just t- you take a knee, the game's over. <laughs> So, so I really have no expectation. The There's, There's zero no reasoning. I want to go look it up after because it that's just so baffling to me. You lose a locker room over stuff like oh, that. Yeah. I think yep. it's already gone. We saw all the players distraught. What the F are we doing <laughs> right on the sidelines? Like it it might be cooked. It might be like a Todd Graham in, at UH situation <sighs> where you just completely lose the locker room and guys are gone after this year. Right. Um so yeah. Mario Cristobal, congrats. You are the first foolish fool from Fan of the Fanatic. Um, hopefully, Brandon Staley's not on it next week. No, we're going to um, have da- shit Staley shenanigans with Dallas. <laughs> oh God, I yeah. hope so. <laughs> That's what you hope for. Um, yep. But yes, other than that, state of the 808, we got to talk about Dylan Gabriel, who 
put himself finally on the map. I think now in Heisman contention, honestly, with that performance against Texas, um, did it with his arm, did it with his legs, the Milani boy, really impressed. Um, and in the clutch too, right? Didn't get a chance last year. He was hurt for the Red River Red River rivalry, but showed up in Texas um, to do that on the road and throw the game-winning touchdown. Puts Oklahoma not only you know in top ten contention, but I think they're right in the in the middle for the playoffs now. I think, I think they're, they're probably right going to be the. Th- they should be the three, four, or five seed. Yeah. Um, but this is a big win. And so if, you know, he keeps it up, Hey, maybe it's high. The, he's the dark horse Heisman guy in a loaded, loaded field, right? Caleb Williams, they just squeaked out against Arizona. You know, I really am waiting for them to play Oregon because I don't know. I, and you I think, yeah. And you dub because I don't think outside of Caleb Williams, who is an A plus, the Trojans look look like a B team to me, honestly. Like outside of him, if he's not amazing and carrying their team, their team is not that good, honestly. So, um, yeah, I think uh, Dylan Gabriel has a chance, and yeah, hopefully we see him in the playoffs because that that would be great. Um, I think uh, he can shock a lot of people, and hey, maybe kind of make a bid for himself to go to the next level. You know, he's not a big guy either, but to a 2.0. Yeah, a little bit athletic. He's, you know, throws from that lefty side. I don't think he's as accurate as Tua, but definitely more athletic. You you can kind of see it in his burst um when he runs the ball. So I don't know. Hopefully uh he continues to to do well and we see the Oklahoma in the playoffs because that would give him a lot of spotlight um to go do his thing. So other than that, Matt, I hope next week is better. But uh, yeah, take us take us home with our sports facts. All right, we are recording on October 9th in honor of playoff baseball. We'll go back to nineteen twenty one when my guy, I wasn't even born yet, none of us were. Babe Ruth hit his first World Series home run in honor of the twenty seven time World Series champions, New York Yankees, who are not in this year's playoffs, but. Had to shout out the great Bambino. So that is our sports fact of the day. So I'll turn it back to you to close it out. All right. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Uh, hopefully we're both feeling much better next week. Hopefully. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, better vibes. But other than that, yeah, thanks, everyone, for sticking around. Um, have a good week. And we will hopefully be in better spirits next week. <laughs>